Royce and all, welcome to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast, sponsored, of course, by who, Andy? Uh, Fatball. Fatball Bar and Restaurant, of course. Uh, before we come to all things Wrexham, Tim, you've just come back from Cardiff. You survived the trip up north after witnessing uh, Cymru's stunning win, 2-1, goals from Harry Wilson over Croatia. All the doom and gloom of the of the past couple of weeks uh, seems to have been reversed. It's still in Wales's hands. How uh, do you think they can do it? I think they can. Yeah, I don't see any reason why they can't. Now, to be honest. Um, however, the two games that they're playing, obviously, where it kind of fell down initially with the home defeat to Armenia and then Turkey. So, two big games. But if they play like they did last night, then anything's possible. It was so good. It was up there, one of the best in living memory. Definitely best post-Gareth post Bale. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Happy, great weekend, really, if you're a Wrexham and Wales fan. Yeah, and, and obviously uh, football, Welsh football, back at the race course again. Yeah, the Gibraltar thing was a bit weird. A lot of people, was, a, lot, a lot was mentioned about the atmosphere, but when you've not had a game there for five years... Um, and it, yeah, in what was very substandard op- opposition with the greatest respect, they were very poor. Um, you're going to have pockets of people and new fans and families trying to create something, but it's difficult. But it was good to have it back there. As I've said before, um, I just hope it's not a token gesture and it's a start of things to come, uh, especially going forward with a new cop. But it was good. It was great that it was a sellout. A lot of people enjoyed it. And from what we can see and read, um, the, the feedback was was favourable from everybody who attended. So, yeah, happy days. Yes, and hopefully it's a, it's a starting point, isn't it, we hope? You're never going to get a bouncing atmosphere in a friendly game anyway, no. no matter what it is. Um, anyway, back to Wrexham. Uh, the reaction to another uh, crazy end to another crazy game. Sol- uh, Salford, sorry, not Salford. Uh, Salford. Salford at home. Uh, I mean, Christ, where do we start? The impact of the subs, Andy? Um, Jordan Davis looked superb, didn't he? And Fletcher just seems to be what the Americans and Nathan Salt would call a clutch player. I've no idea what that is. What I is think that it because means they do changing they do things, gear. They do they do important things at the end of games. I think that's what it means. Okay, fair enough. Changing um, gear. <laughs> well, yeah, you use your clutch to change gear, don't you? Right. Well, we've knocked it down. We're 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 from first. We're taking it straight to second. Look at that acceleration. No one can live with it. What a clutch player! Ruined it for me when when Fletcher comes off the bench at Bradford. I'm like, he's into third, fourth. <laughs> to be oh, fair, man. I am I am determined to not allow clutch to seep into British discourse. So no. I'm sorry for bringing it, Andy. It. We've, yeah, we ruined it. Great, great super impact subs is what I'm looking at saying. Right, yeah. Okay, let's go through them. Davis, I think he looked like the Davis of old. He just glides around the pitch when when he's fit and firing. He just makes everything easy. Um, and I just knew he was going to finish that. You just There was never a doubt. Yeah, he had a header as well. You forget how much of a goal threat and an assist machine the guy is when he's fit and firing. And he looks like he's fit and firing now. He looks like he's got something to prove. Uh, I think the question is, can you play him and Lee together? And I don't think you probably can in in the system we've got at the moment. So if it's either or, it's a good it's a good puzzle to have because you've got two two people, two outstanding left sided attacking mids pushing each other. Um, you can't argue with Lee's goals, but maybe his impact in games hasn't been as much over the last couple of weeks. Maybe you shake that up. Maybe you bring Jordan in. I for one would like to see that. Secondly. Uh, Fletcher. So I 
I sort of described him as the Uber Pat skin on um, on Twitter. And what I mean by that is there was a player probably about 30 years ago now called John Paskin. Um, he was a South African fellow. We got on loan. Well, no, we got we got from Wolves and he was brilliant off the bench. He could come on with 15 minutes to go and he could change a game. And this Fletcher reminds me of him. Even they, they even look similar, sort of like big, big beasts of a guy with facial hair and long sort of black black locks. Um, Fletcher has all the touch, all the skill. He just, you know, he just absolutely. Why, why Tim, why are you laughing? <laughs> Can't wait to put a side-by-side comparison of John Paskin and Stephen Fletcher when they look absolutely fuck-all alike. One's um, got a massive four-star moustache and from South Africa. One, consequently, we can overlook this fact, was born in Shrewsbury, but is well, a big hand Scottish oh, back. Oh, well, that's ruined it. Yeah, um, it's true. No, look, well, in- I mean, but you know what I mean. It's like he was known as super sub. Like there's there's people who post on Red Passion as super sub, and they only mean one one man, John Paskin, the guy who could come on and change a game. I don't think Fletcher is fit enough to do in 90 minutes, but I love the fact that we've got five subs. And what that allows us to do is put on Palmer there to absolutely wear down attritionally the opposition for 60 minutes, 70 minutes, and then you bring on Fletcher, who can do the same job, but has got a little bit more touches and for a tired defence can really make a difference. And I think I've, I've always thought that with the squad that we have, being able to make five substitutes is really plays into our hands. And I think as the season goes on, the quality that we've got from the bench will really start to, to tell on teams. Yeah, certainly feels like at the moment we've got um, a lot of options coming off the bench to change games. I mean, that's the good stuff. Oh, one more good thing. Aaron, a uh, great league debut for Aaron James. What do you think, Tim? Uh, yeah, he got a bit, he got a bit of heat on Twitter, which pissed me off. I'll be honest, because he didn't deserve it. And I think what a lot of people forget is that he's a centre back being deployed in a right wing role position. So it was always going to be slightly unnatural. But I think, I think on the whole, he acquitted himself really well. He can't be attributed to any fault with the goals. Those are the, the faults of, of other players in the in in that side, not him. I like the look of him. Um, well, he was always looking for it. He was really hugging the touchline and, and he was like gesturing to his head and to say, look, you know, Arthur, stick it on my noggin. I'm going to try and flick it on for somebody. So he was trying to get the attacks going and set up and that's what you want. And, you know, it just it just ties in with what's going on now, really, in that we want young players coming through. Wrexham just an- announced the appointment of Andy Lowe as the academy manager and Fleur Robinson's quoted in the article saying as they, they basically want to try and get more young players through and, and sort of the, the ambitions of building an infrastructure of nurturing North Wales' finest talents. So, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with that, really. With Aaron James, you know, one of hopefully many coming through the ranks uh, and hopefully putting the club on an upward trajectory in terms of of that old classic production line that we had under the sort of Brian Flynn era. So, yeah, so well done to Aaron James on that debut and, and hope it's more of many to come this season. There's got to yeah. be a pathway there. Has to be a pathway because if you if you're um if you're a dad who's of a promising promising player now you know the options still are really go to Everton, go to Liverpool, go to United, try your luck there. But you know you've got the feel good factor of this club, and if you can then see that they're getting a first team place and the exposure, and Phil Parkinson is using them, then Wrexham all of a sudden becomes the number one attraction for for North Wales players. And, you know, if this club is going to grow beyond 
even Ryan and Rob's money and the, the investment they put in, then a good youth system is absolutely vital. And wouldn't it be great to not to lose players like, I don't know, Nathan Broadhead was, is a classic example, isn't he? I mean, he's an, he's an awful alien lad who went, to, who went to Everton. Wouldn't it be great if we were bringing him through? And, you know, why, why can't we now? Yeah, absolutely. Really positive. Um, not, don't want to dwell on the negative, but Andy, just quickly on um, the goals we conceded. seemed like we had... Well, nice we one, win. thanks. We did, we did win, but, you know, it seemed like we'd sort of solidified and had a couple of clean sheets. What You know, anything obvious you think still to be concerned about with the defence? Um, I think we were a lot more compact uh, at Crawley and it was the same sort of personnel. I just think at home... Um, and I know I keep banging on about this. We we play our wing backs really, really high. Um, I think they were a little bit more compact away from home, but at home it's an expansive front foot game and it leaves spaces. Um, and I think we're still in a in a situation where our where our centre backs are splitting a little bit too much, leaving space that 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 teams can run onto. And you know, a lot lot of people said that Evans had a had a so so game on Saturday. There was a lot of space he had to cover. I felt a little bit for him. He was like coming back, having to 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 plug gaps, then get the ball and push us forward. It's a it's a it's it's a lot of it's a lot of work for a defensive mid. Andy, can you get up to Wrexham tomorrow to get to the training ground and tell Parky this? It's not well, good enough. I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get elastic bands and I'm going to tie them to each of the three centre halves and make them move in unison. There uh, we go. What that, could go that's wrong? That's what's going to happen. There we go. Defensive Sorry. coach, Andy Gilpin. I played uh, four games at left-back for Johnstown Youth, so I obviously know what I'm doing. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Tim, uh, Paul Mullin, captain. Thoughts? Yeah. Uh, well? I, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, play two is captain, one, two, leads from the front, leads by example, and we know he's he's more than just about goals, you know? Um Nobody's really batting an eyelid that he hasn't scored many since coming back into the side. But, you know, that that's a hefty injury. And he's we've probably seen him earlier in the squad than we all anticipated. So, yeah, I, I just think I think it's kind of natural because obviously Luke Young has kind of been used sporadically by Parker. He's not really getting a, a run of games again. Obviously, Toes has been rested. Um, so, yeah, I think it's natural for him to, to sort of have the armband. He's obviously got the respect of the rest of the lads. He does a lot, not not just his overall, you know, forward play, but the amount of times I've seen him come back doing the defensive work and picking up the ball, sort of midfield there, it's crazy. So, well-deserved and, you know, played 2-1-2 two, two under, under Captain Mullin. Take that all day long, to be honest. Yeah, great to see. Let's hope that he can keep leading the line and leading the team like that. Andy, uh, contract extension as well. More club news for uh, James Jones, Jimmy Jones, JJ. Well Jimmy deserved. Jones? No one's Jimmy called him. Jones. like a NASCAR race. I want to make Jimmy James Jones happen. Um, Is he a clutch right. player? <laughs> um, right. Just one thing on Mullin. He's still playing with broken ribs. So, you know, he's not 100% yet. Still, I don't think anyway. Um, Cheers, doctor. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I'll get. I tell you what. I'll I'll sort that defence and I'll pop in the physio's room as well tomorrow. Yeah. While you're at it, grow grow a John Paskin moustache so you can look like. I Steve thought Black. I had. This is the best as I can do. <laughs> right, James Jones. Right. I remember when I was covering Liverpool, uh, probably about 10, 15 years ago. Dirk Coit. Now everyone got on Dirk Coit's back, thinking he's not good enough for Liverpool. What's he do? 
You know, he he's, he doesn't score goals. He, he doesn't seem to have the ball much. He's not grabbing it and going past four people. And I and I sort of thought you can't really judge Dirk Coyte until you see him live. And then you see all the runs he does and all the things he does that you don't pick up on the telly. And I think James Jones is like that. I think okay, he might not be your all conquering, you know, sort of playmaker. But what he does, he makes the runs to. To, you know, to to sort of screen people, he he tries to get you know he he makes the runs to to get the ball back. He also makes runs to open up space for other people when we're attacking. He does so much work. I think he's a vital. He's like our battery. He's a vital cog in that midfield. And I would you know I think we we would all have him as one of the one of the three in the midfield at the moment. Well said. Keep it up, Jimmy Jones, JJ. Uh, <laughs> Tim, as well, a couple more notes before we got from our um, couple more topics, I should say, before we're joined by our very special guest this week. Uh, Tim, Jordan Tannicliffe back in the side midweek in the EFL Trophy win at Crewe. Uh, he's going to be pushing for a first team start soon, isn't he? Yeah, I, I just think now seems a good a time to do it. To me, he's still probably the, the most well-rounded defender on his day. Hard as nails, obviously we know he sticks his sticks his head in where it's going to be painful, and I just like the idea of of having him, Hayden, and O'Connell together in that back three. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just I just think it'll bring a bit more steel to proceedings, and yeah, the goals again on the side, there's such a messy nature um, that all over the shop. So I'm not saying Tunnicliffe would would remedy all of it. I just think there's just there's just an air of just unwavering confidence about him every time he plays. I never seem to worry when he's in when he's in that bat line. I just think it just gives an air of supreme confidence. So yeah, I think he's knocking knocking on the door now. I think Parky's nurtured him back into the squad and managed the the injury issues he's had very, very carefully. So I would not be at all surprised to see him start at Bradford, in all honesty. Yeah, let's see. Um now uh, in addition to the minute silence Tim, before the game for the lives lost in the Israel-Palestine conflict, um, there was a perfect minute of applause too, wasn't there, for Wrexham fan uh, Elna Aldrin-Owen? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've had a lot of sort of tragic losses recently, but, you know, Alan was only like 21 months old. Mm. Um, there was some sort of complications with surgery. I can't remember the the conditions she was suffering from. It was, a, it was like a, a brain um, issue and so yeah, to pass away 21, 21 months old is horrible, it's horrible. So you know, kind of our thoughts are with her family and friends, and I don't think they were at the game on on Saturday, from my understanding, having read the articles. But obviously, twenty eighth minute because she was born on twenty eighth um, of I can't I think it might be December um, two thousand and twenty one. So um, yeah, twenty eighth minute, everybody stood and applauded. It was it was it was a lovely touch for her. So hopefully that'll give the the family of, uh, of Eleanor a little bit of solace and you know just a bit of support really so just just, just another example again of of our fans being a class above really and sort of coming together for for other other sort of people in the Wrexham family that that need to be rallied around really in, in this time of need so yeah um, rest in peace to her absolutely and all of our thoughts are with um, uh, Eleanor's family certainly at this time um, there was a 
great win for Wrexham women bouncing back from um, their loss to Cardiff as well with a ridiculous uh, scoreline, to be honest, uh, against Putelli. 13-0 in the Butte Energy Welsh Cup uh, with Ava Suckley grabbing a double hat-trick. Don't see many of them these days. Um, We also had, just really quickly, gents, before we get from our, uh, speak with our special guest, FA Cup first round draw, Mansfield away. Uh, Doesn't... Not ideal. <laughs> no, it's a bit underwhelming. You kind of you kind of want to have a, a a team from another division, don't you? Whether it's yeah. a team above or a team below, just something's yeah. not in this game. It's always going to be underwhelming when it's aside from the same division, especially one that you only played less than two weeks ago, um, yeah. and uh, who would still remain unbeaten as it stands at the, at the time of this going out. So tough draw. Um, mm. Yeah, one of those. Still, mag- magic of the FA Cup, which as we saw well, in the latest episode. Of welcome to Wrexham, which I think we can firmly say was the best, lads. I'd say definitely, yeah. I'd not just so. because we were in it, but oh, mainly because fleetingly, we were in fleetingly, fleetingly. What? Well, where have you got your agent yet? Uh, I already have one. Um, oh, okay, yeah. No, I don't. Of course, Andy, uh, Andy's got Andy's got a voice agent now. <laughs> I be, am the voice. Voicing Paddington Bear <laughs> Three now. Don't, don't let Mark Griffiths hear you say you're the voice of Wrexham. Oh, no, I, I'm not. I've teased the voice. <laughs> um, one thing I was going to say, though, interestingly enough, a few comments on the last podcast. We had a bit of a, maybe I did, maybe I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, a bit of a whinge about that Sean Harvey's holiday episode. Quite a few comments saying they enjoyed it. And interestingly, as well, a few of my mates, not Wrexham fans who've been watching the documentary, also said they enjoyed it. So maybe, you know, we've got to accept, you know, we've got to understand, and I need to understand better, maybe, the different demographics that the the documentary makers are trying to target and you know we've uh, sometimes as Wrexham fans um just want to see the dressing room but you know as Tim was saying last week it's important to to get the comedic element of it as well and there was loads of football content in the last episode which was really good wasn't it oh brilliant yeah. really enjoyed it really really shone a light on yeah. i just brought up so many great memories of that cup round i was grinning the whole episode there. If you forget how good it was. I mean, Coventry away was absolutely brilliant. Mm. Topped off by the fact that I got out of that car park uh, before anyone else. Um, so I wasn't stuck there for an extra 40 minutes. Um, but, you know, I don't like to pat myself on the back. Um, loved it. Loved That's exactly, you know, what, what I wanted a doc to be. And I know, yeah, you're right. We can't have it exactly how we want, because as we keep saying, it's not just for us. Um, but really really enjoyed that episode and i enjoyed the, the women's one before so two two yeah. great ones in a, in a row you can billy shouts watched it <laughs> no <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, time, time now to hear uh for, well for our special guest this week to join us um he is going to be a familiar face to many many Wrexham fans um from a couple of very key seasons um here he is. I'm hoping that Nat can hear us. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes, all mate. good. Loud and clear. Lovely. Time, I think, for Andy to do one of his famous introductions. We're recording as we are now. Okay, so uh, here we go. Yeah, um, Joey Jones once said that left-sided centre-backs are as rare as rocking horse shit. <laughs> well, ha- how rare is a left-sided centre-back converted from a winger? How rare is a left-sided centre-back converted from a winger who then go on to have stellar careers in the game, being first choice wherever they go? 77 games for a great Wrexham side. Championship with Peterborough. 
Shrewsbury, boo, we won't mention that much. Uh, <laughs> and, Sat and Saturday's opponents, Bradford, amongst others. Everyone you speak to says he's a model pro. So let's find out how, in the words of Mike Crichton, a piss-poor winger became the most classy centre-backs many of us can remember. Welcome, Nat Knight-Percival. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. That's a, one heck of an introduction, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, before we get into it, can we firstly talk about the name? This must be the most chivalrous name in football. Nathaniel <laughs> Knight Percival. What what a what what gallantry is there? I mean, go, tell us, take us through this. Where did this come from? It's, it is literally, it is only uh, it's just my mum. <laughs> my mum's name and my dad's name. That's all it is. <laughs> my is mom, it? Wow. Yeah, my mum's a knight, my dad's a Percival. Put them together. Wow. Even the Nathaniel works with it as well. It's like yeah. it's like a name for you should be at the round table, mate. Well, I, I feel like they just really wanted me just to struggle with all my like my writing and stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> Something along those lines, because it, it must have been a real challenge when I was learning to write, surely. <laughs> well, oh yeah, absolutely. But also just think of all the all the extra money you made Wrexham and all your clubs with the Knight Percival on the back. It's about 10 quid a, a letter, isn't it? Yeah, I, you'd like to think that, but I can't imagine there'd be many people getting it on, on the oh, back. Behave, behave. <laughs> right, if you've Andy, got... Andy's, 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 got, Andy's got three shirts with your name on it. He's just not <laughs> just too modest to tell you. Um, yeah, if any if anyone listening has got a Nathaniel Knight Percival shirt, let us know, send in a picture uh, for <laughs> next episode. Right, before we get into your Wrexham career, let's just start about, you know, the start basically how did a lad from Enfield end up at Histon um well I was I was born in London I lived there for sort of only a few years of like when I was literally a kid and then moved to Cambridge when I was about six years old or so um grew up sort of uh you know around sort of the uh in in the came in Cambridge city center um and we and Histon was pretty much my local team at the time um and it kind of I don't know I think it, it it was just a case of me just playing playing football for fun for the younger teams and the youth team and stuff there and then they kind of said to me oh would you be interested in playing for the reserve team and I was like yeah of, of course yeah played for some games for the reserve team um enjoyed it a lot uh, and then after a while sort of when I was sort of 16 17 years of age they they asked me to play uh for the first team uh when I was still studying at college um and then it, it kind of just I mean I can carry on if you want me to keep going well, I mean look there's so many interesting things about Histon because it, it was a club that came from nowhere it got yeah. to it got to, to non-league um you know it got to the very pinnacle of non-league now John Beck was involved wasn't he yeah so when um when I was um I think he was the him and uh, the gaffer at the time, Steve Fallon, were um, were both there, and they obviously watched the reserve games. And I was playing for them at I think probably about sixteen years of age, and then um, and then that yeah, they asked me to train with the first team uh, about seventeen, I think it was, and they're in the Southern Prem, which was um, two leagues below the conference at the time, um, and they and. Uh, and I was basically playing left back for them. I was playing sort of left back and left wing at the time for the youth team. And they put me in at left back for the for the first team. And, and I played a few games at the sort of in the second half of the season when I was um, 17. And then 
um and then it kind of and then we got promoted that's that season to the southern to the conference south uh and then from there we um we we had one season in the conference south where we got to the playoffs but lost that first season and then this uh and i was sort of in in and out of the team in that year Mm. and the season after i think i played pretty much every game where we uh where we won the won the league the conference south by a fair margin I, i i remember and um, I was playing left wing pretty much every game. It was sort of a, it was sort of a case of me being moved to left wing for a jump kind of game where it was a case of the keeper kicking it long onto the left side, and I would just flick it, head it, and flick it down the line. And we played sort of it was very direct style football, if you can remember, kind of back then the kind of like you know Stevenage, how they yeah. Um, I think we're losing that, aren't we? I was saying uh, his face froze. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's finally gone. Um, oh. So maybe if you send him a message, Andy, we'll try and get Nat to um, reconnect with us. Um, but what a great start to a guest interview. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So much more to uh, so much more to ask him. I think he oh, might here be he comes. Back in. Here he is. Here he is. You're back, mate. There we go. Oh, yeah. So... What, can you hear us again? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Nice I don't one. know where. Right. <laughs> now you, you got you got to the promotion, but we, we're going to get on to how you signed for Wrexham. Firstly, yeah. you used to work in a car factory. Is is that true? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. We just used to sort of just fit electronic stuff to cars. So like you know, back in the day when you wouldn't have sort of your Bluetooth things installed in your cars, yeah. I would be one of the people who would install those things. Tow bars could fit a great tow bar. Parking sensors. If you want parking sensors? I'm your guy. Everything <laughs> do all stuff like that. Yeah. Any particular brand? What what what, what was the make? Of of yeah, what? Of car? Or was it just Cars, any car? Oh no, any, any car. Any car. Yeah. You could be you could be sporting a tow bar fitted by this man. <laughs> right. Let's sort of get to the Wrexham sort of stage. Obviously, you know, you you, you came up with Histon. You'd obviously made an, a, um, an impression. Dean Saunders wanted to lower the average age of the squad, so he looked for you. I mean, how did he get you? Um, there's so many sort of Saunders stories about how he's sort of got players. Um, getting salt and pepper shakers out at a motorcycle um, service station seems to be one of his big tricks. Did he do that at all? Did he meet you on the M62? No, I, I think I went to, I remember going to Collier's Park uh, to meet him, but it, I, I can't even, I don't even really know fully how I came about signing. I think it was our manager at the time because we, the last season for Histon was kind of like loads of people had left. We had a new manager and yeah. the manager was a man named Alan Lua at the time. Right, I think yeah. he had some sort of connection to Dean Saunders, and obviously, and obviously the gaffer then he want obviously wanted to sign me. So I think he's spoken to him, and they've somehow managed to get it that I would go across there to sign. And I was sort of a bit unsure at first of signing because I think because it was the first time I was going to move away from home, yeah, uh, and and live on my own. So I was sort of a, a little bit a little bit worried about it. But then I I kind of had the realization where I was like. If it all goes, if it all goes horribly wrong, I'll just move back to my mum's house. <laughs> it is it all goes that bad. So I thought I'll give I'll give it a go. It's nothing, I can't lose anything here. So yeah, I drove up, I I drove up to Collier's Park. Um 
and met met the gaffer in his in his office and he was and he was just he was just very complimentary really and just just explaining what he wanted to do kind of going forward I wanted to play who who was signing the players who we had already how the experience there could kind of help me learn stuff how he could teach me stuff um being a striker etc obviously that was absolutely useless um in the end but <laughs> but yeah um, uh right what I was going to ask you about this so you were about 2021 20, at the time I think I think I was 22 or 23 I think actually okay. yeah but you know you'd never you'd, you you hadn't moved away from from your mum's how does no. how does a, a lad that that young move away to to North Wales did you did you did you live in the infamous house no, I did. So I so I um at the at the time. So I was actually um, dating a girl, a girl who lived in Liverpool. She was well, she was from Liverpool, mm. but her family. But she was studying in London. So we kind of moved to Liverpool, and I was in um in the car school with a um, with Jay Harris, Neil Ashton, Johnny Hunt. I think they were the people. They were like the car school people so I had, I had like some proper scouts so obviously like me being like from south and these proper three scouts I was just like <laughs> half the stuff they're saying I couldn't understand I was just constantly asking them to, to repeat themselves I think they probably got sick of me but I think I think I probably started picking up a bit of a twang <laughs> at some oh, point yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> I, I mean everyone says you're a real sensible goody two-shoes I mean is yeah. that because you've had You've had like a life outside of football before you came into it. Uh, maybe I think I think I've always been quite sensible. I think I'd always I'd I'd say I'm probably a bit of an introvert anyway. Like in terms of most people, I think when I'm at football, I'm probably complete opposite. But not but the rest of the time, I'm probably quite an introverted person. So I don't really like go to. I don't. I think it would have been especially as it was my first time playing full time football as well. Yeah. I was. I remember going in on like the first few days and I was I was so nervous anyway yeah like, yeah I've never been in that environment bef before where there were people who'd obviously just used to training as and when like e every day sort of thing whereas I was used to sort of training a Tuesday and a Thursday evening yeah, and yeah. work the rest of the day so it was just it was just a completely different environment for me really yeah I mean even though you you were sort of going into full-time football you know you had a job and you were getting paid by by Histon as well. Did he actually have to take a pay cut to come to Wrexham? Uh, I figured it out. It was actually pretty much exactly the same. Right. Uh, okay. I, I think that's why I decided to do it because the amount I was getting paid at Histon plus the amount that I was getting from my job, they were pretty much the same. I think they may have, I can't even remember. It's probably about 50 pounds either way, but I, right. can't, I can't, can't even remember which one. I did all the figuring out first because I didn't want <laughs> to be- That's how sensible you are now. You're just a sensible no, lad, no, aren't you? you? <laughs> you see, I'd love you to fit my toe bar because you're not going to fuck it up, are you? You're absolutely oh. going to think about it. I'd that like to think so. What car have you got? Um, I got an Audi A3, but uh, yeah. Oh, can you do? Can yeah. you do an Audi A3? Um, yeah. You got an Audi A3? How are we just? How are we just learning this? Why? <laughs> it's Amber's. I just borrowed. Oh, even worse. Oh, it's I like, know, I I mean, mate, it's 15 years old. It's just, it's diesel. Oh, because... Every Audi driver says that. They always go, oh, it's just an old banger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it is an old banger. And I'll tell you what, the ULEZ is killing me. So I was going to say, ULEZ and finance to the hilt, probably. No, it's not finance. You pay for it straight <laughs> off. Can we stop going? 
Matt's here when we're talking about we can Andy's, Andy's, Andy's a kept man. A kept man with a 15-year-old Audi A3. <laughs> paid you off in one go, you just said. That's a kept man. Um, right, can we get back to this bloody yeah, go then. chat, please? Right. Okay. Averaging about 11 goals a season at Histon. Obviously, Saunders has seen something in you. Um, I want to talk about regains now. Because yeah. <laughs> basically, we had Dean Saunders on um, a couple of a couple of months ago, and I mentioned you because it was obviously, and we'll get on to more about how you converted to a centre centre half later. But I mentioned you, and he just looked at us and went regains, and I went what? And he goes right. I'm going to tell. He said I'm a foot, you know, I'm a football manager. I've been in the game for ages, and I didn't know anything about regains. But Nat came across and told me what a regain it was and why you, he was scoring so many goals. Now, do you want me to try and explain it? Or do you want to explain it? I mean, I, I could kind of explain it. So take us through a regain. Because I, I remember I remember the gaffer bringing me into his office and asking me, he's he sort of like, how how do you score? He sort of said to me, How do you how did you score all these goals um for um in your career from left wing? And I was just like, Well, it was kind of like it was a thing John Beck used to call it, he used to call it regain. So what we would do, we'd sort of have a setup for, for example, like a long throw into the box. Yeah. We'd throw it into the box and there'd be people obviously waiting to try and score the goal, but we would have sort of a setup, obviously, that if it got headed back out, it would only yeah. go to a certain area of the pitch where it would go. And then it was already, it was already pre-designed that if those people got the ball, they would just clip it to the back post where if the people who were trying to flick on the first um flick on from the yeah. throwing you would make a new run all the way around the back stick and try and head it in from there right. so that was sort of like and that was like the regain kind of part of it uh, so <laughs> i don't know how right. dean saunders told it but that was kind of that was pretty much what happened and it would be the sort of the same thing from corners yeah uh free kicks as well where we would just have we were very sort of regimented and very like everyone knew what they were doing, you knew what your job was in the team, sort of thing. Uh, Reese, Tim, did you do you did you get that? Do you know what a regain is? I thought it was some sort of like um, tablet to help you with your headaches. To be honest, um, but yeah. no, I, 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 I think that, that though, explanation made sense to me. That explanation made sense. Well, I see what you mean. <laughs> I remember, well, I remember the... telling the story, and uh, and I told the, obviously the gaffer that, and then the gaffer would tell everyone it on the training ground. And then everyone was having a go at me, shouting out, shouting about things sort of like hair growth tablets and things like that. And I was like, <laughs> "Guys, this is a, this is not what this is. It's a it's a good tactic that's going to get us goals." Trying to convince them, but so Saunders said that what what you used to do at Histon, and, and this might be wrong, be wrong. He talked talked about the the the, um, the throwing thing, but he said that you deliberately did. A, a corner to the, the there's nothing that annoys me more than a corner that doesn't yeah. doesn't go past the, the first man and apparently yeah. he said that you used to hit the first man on purpose so they yeah. head it out then you would rush that clip it back in and then you would sneak in on the other side of the the other side of the goal and, and nod it in is kind of along those lines i mean we weren't deliberately hitting the front post but it was sort of if it were to go there Right, have people yeah. set up for it to get go back in. We weren't <laughs> deliberately would probably be is probably a little bit wrong, but yeah, right. So along those lines. And and Dean also said that 
we tried it at Wrexham. Did it ever work? Um, it might have done a couple of times. I don't remember fully trying it out that we, that we had we had set it up properly. I mean, you'd need the you need the sergeant John Beckin to kind of um, talk you through yeah. it to, to, to get everyone going. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand you over to Reese um, in, in a second, um, but. God, you've got to have a John Beck story. Everyone's got a John Beck story. Did you ever fight him? I, oh no, I, I, I never fought him. I was, just, I was just, a, I was just, a, I was a kid at the time. But I do remember one specific story. I think it was, it was kind of like half. It was half time of a game. I, I can't. I don't think the games are even even important. But I'd been doing all right in the game, and then um, one of the senior lads had come in. He started. So I'd shout, so it's just like shouting at me, like having a go at me, like saying, you need to do this, you need to do this. And as a young lad, I was sort of like just sitting there, just like, yeah, yeah, like, like just taking it kind of thing. And then uh, how are we with expletives? Can I, can I swear on this? Go um, for it. Don't say the go C word, it. but I think you, the, the rest okay. you're all right with. Yeah, it's not the C I, word. Knowing John Beck, it could be the C word. That's yeah, the only no, thing I'm saying. But, but he basically, he got, he was in standing in the corner, just listening to it all. And then it, and then he, he started his team talk and then he ended it and he turned and he looked at me and I thought, oh no. And he goes, he goes, he shouted, this is at the top of his voice, he says, when are you going to tell him, the guy who's having a go at me, to fuck off? And I was just like, I was just in shock. I sat there, moved back a little bit, folded my arms. <laughs> just, I just went so quiet. I was so embarrassed. I didn't say a word. And I was just like, oh my God, like the... Honestly, the man scared. He scared me. He really scared me. But he—he he was a really good. He was a really good coach. He was kind of ahead of his time. But some of the stuff that you'd see him doing was absolutely hilarious. We used to be, we used to do pre in preseason. We used to obviously we're training in the evenings. So it'd be getting dark, and we'd be running around the pitch, but we couldn't see where we where we were. We didn't have any floodlights either. So he brought his car. He parked it on the halfway line shone the lights across the middle of the pitch so those that was the only bits you could see we'd be running around so you'd be running in darkness behind the goal coming back around into the light on the halfway line darkness behind the next goal back into the light he'd have the doors open on his car blasting out like some old sort of like 60s music and you'd just be running <laughs> we'd just be running in pitch black the majority of the time everyone was like what the what the hell are we doing sort of thing like this is craziness but it was, but we we were we were a very fit team. Thanks to him for it, but it was some of the the ways that you got us fit were. And you weren't afraid of the dark. <laughs> yeah, well, you you couldn't be. You had no choice. It was that or. <laughs> that or I'm, not I, it. I, I'm wondering that with the with the regain stuff that you you brought that to Wrexham almost did did Saunders. It's, did you always have that kind of tactical? You like to be involved in the sort of tactical element of the game as a player, sort of contributing stuff. And did Saunders sort of like that and encourage that in players? I, th I think so. He he was very much so. He wasn't one just to kind of just sit there and just be like everything I do is the right thing. He was very happy to obviously listen to hmm. listen to people with new ideas and and you can all. I think you can learn something from everyone. I think regardless of your of your age sort of things. I think I was I was probably only a kid at the time, but. Obviously, we had experienced players in the in the in the team that year, and there were um, and obviously, and I'm sure he would have taken a lot of advice from them um, mm. throughout throughout the season. Um, so I think he was probably just he was probably just asking me some questions, just sort of how did I score these goals and <laughs> and uh, yeah, because he, he had me in, in his office a few a, a couple of times, and one time he was sort of just 
because I'd, I'd never really been sort of trained, you know, like at a youth at a proper youth team level. I was doing a youth team where it was one night a week and one game a week. So I didn't have sort of that intensive youth program that loads of the other players had. And he was basically just had me in the office and he was like, he was like, you need to use your arms more. He's explaining to me, you need to use your arms more, use your body more. He's, he's like, try and get, try and get this ball off me. And he had this little softball in the middle of his office. And he, he'd just stand there and he'd go, try and get it. Go on, try and get it off me. And I was there like, what, try and get the ball off you right now. And he's like, yeah, go on, try and get it. And I'd, so I'd go over to try and get it. And he'd just go back, stick his arm out. And I was like, so I tried to like poke my toe through his legs to get it. And then he'd go, see, you can't get it, can you? And then and then he'd go, come on, keep trying to get it. And he'd just keep moving his arm. And he's like, see, you've got to use your arm on. He was, so in the end, it was literally Brian Carey watching in the in the corner at his desk, the gaffer in the middle of, of the office, and me trying to poke the ball off him while he's got his arms out like this, trying to keep me away from the ball. I'm trying to poke it from in between his legs and stuff. But... <laughs> He was so, he was honestly he was such a character. And some of the story, some of the stuff that he said, I can't I can't remember half of them, but honestly, it's just such yeah. a such such an interesting man to be around. An unorthodox methods, I think some might call them. Uh, but uh, Dino obviously signed you from Histon. It was actually right at the end of the 2009-2010 season. Um, yeah. You know, you talked about you know it was your first sort of foray into full time professional football. You know, you're going into a dressing room with some really sort of experienced, established players like Dean Keats. Um, you know, what what was that like? It was, it was really. I found it really nerve wracking. Like the first few days, just really nerve wracking. Um, I remember because we had Frank Sinclair there as well, who uh, obviously I knew who he was. Um, there's Gaz Taylor as well, uh, Dean Keats. But then obviously all all these players were just like. I know I was just I was just like a tall like beanpole kind of thing at the time um and all these people just seemed so sort of mature and so confident in themselves sort of thing and I was just really I was just really nervous when um I remember the first few training sessions we had like we were doing a few sort of like I remember in it was in pre-season we were doing sort of running and I was sort of like okay I know I'll be okay here because I've done this for the last five years constantly and like, and I would kind of win all that, and I could kind of get a bit of kudos from the other players just from being able to run to begin with, because I knew technically I wasn't as good as as the other players really to begin with. So it was it was just nerve wracking. I knew I had to do, I knew I had a lot of work to do as well. Sort of just mm. just trying to get better, so I would spend you know extra time trying to just figure out how to kind of figure out how to slot into full time football and figure out um by like when I could do my extra training and things like that because I'd never even had the opportunity to be able to do extra training with a different coach or something like that so it was it was tricky to begin with but I felt like I kind of slowly found my feet yeah who were the fit ones in that team in pre-season who were like the the really fit ones um Johnny Hunt I remember him being near the front Jay Harris um Mangy no yeah, who, I was going to say, who were the unfit ones? He was at the <laughs> quite, Chris Blackburn, I think he was quite fit. Actually, he could he could run quite well. Curtis Obeng was. Yeah. Um, trying to think makes sense. I can remember the ones who weren't. I remember Frank yeah. Singh, yeah. all the older lads who were kind of near <laughs> the back. 
<laughs> Frank Sinclair and Gaz Taylor just slowly coming around, coming around. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, I've actually I found a quote from when you first signed from Dean Saunders, and he said uh, he's brave. He puts his head in, and from a technical point of view, I've got something to work with. So I think he will improve. All that yeah. remains to be seen is how he copes with full time training. But I don't see that as a major problem. Seems like yeah, you managed to cope then. Yeah, I, I'd say I did. I mean. I, I just kind of just took it as just a massive bonus. I was just playing football every day as a job. So this I was just sort of like, this is this isn't difficult. This is how hard could it be? Come on. <laughs> I used to used to like I used to work sort of like eight till five and then go straight from training to football, do football, get home, have food, go to sleep, do it, and then mm. have a full day sort of thing working. So it wasn't I kind of I didn't find it difficult in that in the sense of being tired or anything like that it was just kind of mentally you getting used to training in the mornings and yeah. um and just kind of just being around sort of full-time professional football players kind of thing like and seeing how they kind of conduct themselves on day-to-day basis kind of thing and I just tried to just I just tried to kind of pick up as much as I could um from from people there at the time and just kind of I think definitely it helped that that I had the car school of people who had been in the professional game for a while. I think that helped a lot because I think if I was driving in on my own and didn't have anyone to kind of speak to bounce ideas off or like get an idea of what other people are thinking, then I think it would have been a lot harder for me. Yeah. Um, tell us about Dean Saunders's five asides in training. They're pretty, pretty infamous, a competitive, uh, there were prizes involved. What, what was it? Oh, like? the, the old be young on a Friday. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, were, yeah, they, they were, they were good. So I remember, I, I feel like we were, because I, I, I know the first, the first year I was in the young team the whole way, and in that I actually played at centre back because we had so many strikers and things like that. I was like, I'm, ha- I was like, I've played left back. I'm happy to play in defence here, mm. and um, and the gaffer he would. Um, I remember at the beginning he used to play, so I would be sort of like left centre back or left of a three kind of thing if we played like three players on the young team, and the gaff would play right wing to begin with, and I used to play get so I used to play directly up against him. Now I remember him <laughs> saying in his um, in his uh, in his post match interviews in the dining room afterwards. How he would specifically say Saunders had a tough time against Knight Percival, couldn't find, couldn't get any shots away. <laughs> he would say things like this <laughs> in his like uh, in his post match thing, uh, uh, like review of the game, and he'd, and he'd might rate everyone out of ten as well, which is always <laughs> was quite humorous actually for everyone. What did but, he rate um, himself out of ten? <laughs> uh, if you're on the winning team, you used to get you used to get sort of your eight, your sevens, your eights, and your nines. If you're on the losing team, you'd be fours fives sixes unless you were dean saunders or brian Kerry, who tended to get around at eight and 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 with a kind of a um and then you'd he'd also put on the end of the of their um specific performance he'd put carried the team carried the old team something along those lines which was always quite funny i was found quite funny anyway um now uh what was it like uh when mark crichton uh, walk through the door because he was a pretty key player for us for many seasons then yeah I because I, I I'd, I'd played against him quite a few times before obviously um in playing was he at Oxford 
the was it Oxford before he signed? Yeah, and I remember playing against him quite a lot, and and I, I was fully aware who he was, um, and because uh, he's did he sign? He didn't sign in the first year. I was there. he signed the second year, didn't he? So he was in the twenty. Uh, I want to say I think he came in. Yeah, he came in midway through the first season. I think. Oh, was it midway through? Yeah, yeah. He, he uh, wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't there for pre-season, but I think we got uh, him from Oxford. Um, yeah, I think it was probably about three or four months into the season. Uh, okay, yeah, because I I can't specifically remember him signing then, but I just remember the year after because that was when I started playing cent- centre back and mm. obviously playing with him. I was sort of like, it was like the perfect person to play with because I knew I was good in the air, but I wasn't big and strong and as dominant as he was. He was an absolute man mountain. Um, and he basically just headed everything. And I would just happily, happily cover him behind all the time. We Obviously, they'd started kicking on me a little bit. So I had to kind of improve my, my game in that sense a little bit as well. But I feel like we had the kind of a, a really good partnership and a good um, balance and mixture of everything that you kind of need in a, in a pair of centre-halves at the time. Right. And obviously that season, so the first season um, before you moved to centre-back, I believe, but um, we had a pretty good season, of course, just missing out uh, to Luton. Uh, I yeah. mean, what, what, what do you remember about sort of the end of that season and, and how was, was the squad tight? Was it getting tighter? Yeah, we, yeah we, had a, we had a good squad, actually. We did have a really good squad and there was a lot, there's good cohesion, but I think it was it was always going to be very difficult. I think we only just got into the playoffs really that season. So I think playing against Luton, I think felt like we knew we had a hard game anyway. Um, we, but yeah, I th- I th- it was, it was, we were coming towards like a, obviously the crucial part of the, the season and we knew playing Luton was always going to be difficult and we played them at, we played them at home first, didn't we? Um, yeah. And- um- I think I, I think I started I think I started that game and I think I was playing right of a front three or I came on on uh, at like up front on the right hand side. Hold on, I'll tell you. Yeah, you started. Yeah, with and I was, Mangan and Gaz Taylor up front. Yeah, that was it. Man, Manga was playing on the left. Gaz was in the middle, and I was on the right. Mm-hmm. And was, it's just as madness. I think that season I played every position apart from center half. I think I, I remember playing. Left of a front three in the middle on the right. I played holding midfield as well. I played in in the midfield three as well. So I think he was just really trying to find like where my position was at that time. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, yeah, it was a bit beyond us uh, that season. But obviously the, you know, what could have been, what might have been that sort of away game when we obviously scored the early goal and then got the penalty that was saved. Yeah. Were you starting then? I can't remember. No, I, I didn't start the second game. I remember being on the bench there. I can't even remember if I came on, to be honest. I don't yeah. think I did. Off Got dropped after being right, right-sided striker. I, mean, I don't know what he was expecting. <laughs> I, 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 re- I remember I, I did barely anything that game. I, I was I was trying so hard to get into the game as well, but it was just... I I felt so, I was so out of... I'd never played on the right-hand side, really, of the pitch at all. Mm. So I felt so uncomfortable there anyway. And I was just trying to do anything I could to get into it, just trying to head balls, tackle people, run around. But I just, I just couldn't get into the game. We were blown away, weren't we, to be fair? It wasn't, yeah. uh, wasn't meant to be. But just, just last... first half, I think. Yeah, I think yeah first, first 20 or 30 first... minutes, I think, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Last one from me. Uh, you were called the teacher's pet... Uh, 
when you were apparently when you were at the at Wrexham, were you ever fined? Was there ever a fine system? Uh, uh, right, his name rhymes with Mandy Arell. Oh god, that was, I, <laughs> I mean, I, could, I should have come up with somebody better than that. But uh, best I could come up with Mandy Arell. Oh, wow. Oh, Mazza, I liked Mazza as well. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> he was no Mazza was brilliant. No, I, I think I've always been sort of quite. I think in every team I've been, I think everyone will say say the same things. I'm very, I'm very sort of like just like. What the gaffer says goes. I'll I'll stick with it, and I and I'll just follow what they're saying. Just do the best that I can for the team, and what the gaffer asks of me mm. in in teams. I think I've just been very sort of. I'm more. I think since being with John Beck at such a young age, he's kind of instilled that kind of in me. Whereas, like the kind of the fear of a manager, the gaffer kind of thing, and I, it's just gone with me throughout my whole career, and I I can't mm. seem to shake it. So. <laughs> Nah, um, let, let, let's let's consider the whole conversion into this marauding, composed centre-back. Obviously, Dean Saunders said you were so good in the air that it was kind of a no-brainer to put you into that sort of centre-back position. When 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 was, when was when did you first become aware of that transition? Did he sit you down and have a conversation with you? Or did you say, look, you know, this is kind of where I'm, I'm stronger at? How did that come around? Um, I, th- I remember sort of, so it was the season before, um I was kind of in and out of the team and I remember there was a um we had sort of a in, obviously in the middle of the week you have reserve games and games to kind of keep people fit little friendlies things like that in the evenings and um and I turned and we turned up I think to Airbus for a home game against somebody and um and he had the all the team like lined out and put in place and I think the gaffer had actually forgotten that I was going to be there because I came and, and, and I wasn't even I wasn't even starting a reserve game. And I was looking, I was like, oh no, this is awful. This is absolutely awful. And then he's and he's noticed me come in and he's caught on the scene going up, like writing on a piece of paper, speaking, speaking to I think Gaz Taylor as well at the time. And they were jotting some stuff down, trying to move some things around. They moved a youth team player out and they basically they were like, I think they kind of made out like, oh, we're going to try you here today because of blah, 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 blah. And they put me at centre half. And I was like, I was like, okay, yeah, it's fine. I'm, uh, I'm just, I was like, this, I was generally, I was just like, I'm happy to be playing. So it's better. So this is, this is fine. And I played the reserve game, played pretty well, as I, I can recall playing pretty well. And then I think from then on in the, in the week, like, so if, if from that reserve game, I think there was probably about, we probably had about another four reserve games throughout the rest of the year. And I played all those other ones, centre half. And obviously I was still playing every now and then for the first team as well and coming on or starting whenever. Um, and then in pre-season, I think I came in, I came in and the gaffer was sort of like, uh, we're going to try it centre half in the pre-season friendlies. How do you feel about that? I was like, yeah, I'll get, I'll give it a go. See how it, see how it goes for me. If it helps me, being able to play more games, then yeah, I'm more than happy to do that. So um, played the first preseason friendly, um, played well, and it kind of just rolled from there. I think it was sort of an, a combination of Gaz Taylor and the gaffer um, and Brian Kerry kind of, I think they all kind of put their heads together and figured it out somehow. And um, because I, I, I'm sure, because I think Gaz Taylor played against me in sort of small-sided games when I was playing centre-half in these small-sided games. And he said, 
and I think he thought that I had so, had something to to offer the team there. So it kind of just snowballed from there, and I and it went into playing pretty much every game uh, of the next season at centre half. Amazing. So that that's the positional tweak. But in terms of that 2011-2012 season, there were personnel tweaks as well. So you had the likes of Jake Spate coming in, Lee Fowler. Did you think at that point the way the squad was being assembled and that level of expertise coming in that we had a chance of really making a concerted effort for promotion that season? Did you feel there's something special that he was trying to trying to put together there? Yeah, I, I think so because the players that we were getting were like when there were like non-league players who everyone was aware of and people who you were sort of like this this guy's a good player and we and you'd know that by what you know when when we'd sign them you'd, you'd be like oh that's a good non-league player he's scored so many goals for another non-league team or um and and you, you knew their kind of quality before they'd even uh before they'd even come in just by their name um and it was it was a funny one for me because I remember thinking, oh, look at all these great players. He's in that position. We've got him in that position. He's played for so and so. He's played for so and so. Got him in there, him in there. And I was like, what am I doing here? I don't I don't get why I'm playing. <laughs> I was a bit, so we're always really confused about like why how I fit in the team. But I mean, as time grew, I, I got more confident in myself because you know we we started keeping clean sheets. We'd be defending well. We'd be scoring goals. And we, we we just became a, a really strong team, I think. And the sort of the the togetherness that we had as a team and also sort of the way that we played our football as well, because we weren't just a sort of just a kick it long into corners kind of team, but we had the options of going long because we had some bigger players, but then we also had the option of passing it and playing it through because we had we had Lee Fowler in there as well, who just he would lit he, he used to say to me. Just give me the ball. If you get it anywhere, give me the ball anywhere. And I'd just be like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, honestly, it's absolutely fine. And I give it him and he just turn, do his little thing on a sixpence, ping one out to the to the other side of the pitch. And you just be like, yeah. And I, I just usually it's just, just like just really such a good footballer. He was such a good footballer. In terms of the players in and around you, I think you've already kind of alluded to it with with the likes of of, of Mark Crichton being that sort of breeze block in front of your head and everything away. In terms of the likes of him and Neil Ashton, your sort of you know, your carpool buddy, were they the sort of players that helped sort of take you under their wing a little bit and help you blossom as a player, give you that that confidence to show what you could do? Yeah, definitely. I think I had sort of um I had some good influences around the um around the around the training ground as well. And Chris Westwood as well, who was he was actually he yeah. he was one of the biggest people who I found helped me so much in my first season because because obviously I he had been brought in to play which he obviously expected to play and, and I had obviously taken his place and but he was he was so honestly he was so helpful to me he would he he'd be coming to me and just giving me bits of advice and he'd tell me oh you're doing really well he'd say and he'd say things and he'd be telling me about how he thought I was better than certain players who were playing leagues and leagues higher who he'd played with like a few years ago never and he and and I, th- and I completely like like I think I feel like being in that position for him must have been really difficult anyway but the amount of sort of support and encouragement he gave me day to day I think helped me so much and then obviously when you have like Kreitz next to you as well who's talking to me all game and telling me and then he'll come off the pitch and he'll give me more advice and things like that and I've got Neil Ashton who's 
like just two really experienced players either side of me is is perfect for when you're you're playing your sort of your first season in as centre back. Yeah. So I mean that season we started pretty well, but you've got Fleetwood Town not really going away. They're kind of just always in and amongst the, you know, just become a bit of a relentless machine, really. Um Dean Saunders ends up leaving. Um mm-hmm. pastures new. What did you make of that? Did it come out of the blue and did you have an idea of who might take his place? Um, or did you always think, well, maybe Moza's the kind of the natural successor to that? I, th- I think for me, in that, because of the situation, because I hadn't really experienced anything sort of like managers leaving kind of out of the blue and things like this happening in a, in a full-time environment. I think it was just a quite sort of, it was just a bit different for me. I didn't really know what had happened I didn't know what all the inside gossip was, what the reason was for him leaving, where he'd even gone sort of thing at the beginning. But then obviously when it all came out and you find stuff out, then it was just a little, it was obviously like, I, you completely understand it. You know, he's gone on to, to manage a, a team in a, in a higher division, which you, you wouldn't begrudge anyone of, of something like that. So, um, and I think after that, we, it was a little bit of sort of speculation who's going to manage it. Because I remember Moza coming in to um into the training uh into the training ground just and basically saying look just for now i'm going to take charge of it um i'll uh and and he and he and he obviously did a great job i think the first game i I think he didn't i don't think he played himself that first game um because he was (laughs) i think he just felt like he couldn't really watch it from uh from a manager's perspective kind of thing so it was and and i think he'd been playing consistently up until then as well so it was I found that kind of more of a shock that he wasn't playing than him being manager at the time. That season, we had a, a couple of, well, one specifically good FA Cup run. Um, what was your favourite one? Because there was obviously Bright, uh, Brentford away, where Jamie yeah. Tolly pops up with that late winner. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you've got you've got Brighton at the Amex, where yeah. Chislevitz, uh earns us to share the spoils and takes it to a, a replay, uh, which unfortunately went on to, to lose on penalties. But what was your favourite favorite one out of those two? Oh. I, I, I'd have to say Brighton because playing at that, um, playing at the, the yeah. Amex was, just real, was a real, really good experience actually for, for me because I hadn't experienced anything like it before. The Brentford one, I, re- I did really enjoy. I found that that game was so difficult though. So I think we went 1-0 up in the first half from that and I remember Jamie Tolley's strike it was a it was a great strike and um and I, I just remember them bringing on loads and loads of um lo- loads of strikers and just being sort of just battered for like the last 20 30 minutes I remember Clayton Donaldson must have elbowed me in the face about five times or something and it was absolutely horrible but it was but then um but then the Brighton game was just it was just completely different because they were just obviously a very quite a very classy kind of team at the time and very they played very good progressive kind of football and we um but we played really well i think they put out a slightly weaker squad in the first game but i don't think it's quite a few of their their big players still in it but um it was a it was just a really good experience just being able to go to to like a like a massive massive stadium and just experiencing something a little bit different really and we played well that day actually and uh scissors goal was was a great goal a little jinky run wasn't it and just yeah. 
some crazy scenes in the away end as well. Yeah, that was brilliant. That was yeah, pretty wild. Pretty wild. Uh, talk about when we mentioned Fleetwood. Um, I mean, what did you make of Jamie Vardy at the time? Did you did you just want him to go? Oh, this guy needs a good. We need to sort him out. He's uh, he's 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 knocking him in for fun. I teach him a lesson. I know. Yeah. So the, the I remember the first game he played. Um, we played against him. We played him at home. We beat him. We beat him three. Either it's a two nil, or three one, or something like I that. I think it was two nil. Fowler was brilliant. I can't. Yeah, yeah. Was it? Yeah. And I remember him playing. And I think was there some talk about him before, like when he signed for Fleetwood, I believe, and playing against. And I was like, this guy isn't that good. He's not actually that good. What's all the talk about him for? And then we played them away, and he was unbelievable. And I was like, oh my goodness, this guy is amazing <laughs> he was he was i just remember him being just he did he did what he does still to this day just relentless and just ran at you and was just pacey and, yeah, and surprisingly just, quick wasn't he like really yeah yeah just tenacious as well but and he and he yeah he was really that second game i remember playing him and he was just really good and i thought yeah he's he's a good he's a good player he's a good cat him so it was just yeah when 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 somebody, when you come across something like that, does it immediately plant a bit of a seed of doubt, thinking I've got my work out here? We have to double up yeah. on him. What we're going to do is it? Does it immediately put that maybe a little bit of doubt in your head, thinking how am I going to cope with this guy? Yeah, a, li- a little bit. I think because they're kind of playing with just, just the one striker. I think me and Christ, we, we had our work out that day when we played them away, but they were he he was just sort of just running into channels and just running everywhere. He was basically trying to run off Kreitz and into that corner. So I was sort of going all the way across the pitch, trying to cover into that corner and feeling a little bit sort of uh, out of position and finding it a little bit tricky out there as well. But um, he, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was difficult when you, when you come up against like world-class players, it is, it's, it is difficult because I am not a world-class player. So it's hard. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) Speaking of, of of players who are impressed, let, let's go back to, to one of our own players as well at the time, Curtis Obeng. Um, obviously, when he left, we feel like that, you know, even even now at the time it felt like it, but even more so in hindsight, that that maybe kind of was the moment that kind of the stabilizers were pulled off the bike, so to speak. Is like he was yeah. was. Do you feel that that was key to us kind of not going up last season because of how good he was? Possibly because. He was he was playing really well in that position. He was just such a. It was it was we we had really good balance in in the back four, and we did a lot of work on it. Brian Kerry was he would do a lot of work with us as a back four, and so would the gaffer as well. He'd have us sort of he would have us defending four v sort of six, four v seven in training, and you would just literally be screening, running across the box, throwing yourself in front of balls, blocking shots, things like that. But it was. It was great practice for for what for like the, the urgency that we needed when it came to games. But and it, we had such great balance with Curtis on the right, him being so quick, and then Kreitz who would be a little bit slower. And then I used to be quite quick as well, believe it or not. And then Neil Ash Neil Ashton, who wasn't quite as quick. So <clears throat> so we had really good balance in the uh, in the back four, and him being able to get up and down that that right hand side was. Um, it was really, it was really good for us. It was a really good out ball for us, and you knew he'd be able to recover back as well. And I think I remember when he when he went. I think there was a lot of talk of get trying to get him back on loan. Um, we ended up getting it was a Daniel Alfie 
I believe, yeah. in Swansea. Yeah, from Swansea, yeah. And, yeah, and obviously have, getting someone back from Swansea was great, and he was a great player. But when you don't have, obviously he hasn't, he hadn't been working with that back, with our back four for, for the previous, you know, six months or whatever. So there was always going to be a bit of a crossover, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of a bump in the road kind of thing when, when stuff like that happens. Yeah. Um, before I hand it back over to Andy, um, we always ask our our guests on the show for their fearless moment. So it's usually like a moment from your time playing at Wrexham where gave you the kind of the most pride or whether that's signing, whether that's a goal, whether it's playing at Brighton, there's anything that, that, that really stands out for you as a, as a key highlight from your time at the club? Um, that's, that's really difficult, actually, because I, I enjoyed so much my time at Wrexham, actually, because it was my first experience of playing full-time football. It was my first experience of playing in front of thousands of fans every week. And it wasn't the case of going to just another non-league full-time team who who uh, didn't really have much of a fan base or much of a following. It was a case of going to a huge football club with thousands of fans every week, regardless of regardless of how you were playing. Every people turn up to games and and they and they get behind you so well. And and the other and I used to love um, away games as well. Playing away was brilliant because because you'd have you'd often get so many more supporters than the home team sometimes at games. <laughs> it was brilliant. But to pick out one is really difficult. I, I really enjoyed the the FA Cup replay against Brighton. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though we lost it, it was such a... The, under the lights, um, we were playing against pretty much their full-strength 11. And I felt like we went toe-to-toe with them that day. And I thought we played really well. Oh, you so, outplayed you outplayed them, mate. We were the better side, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's what I actually genuinely remember. So, and to lose, it was obviously absolutely heartbreaking at the time. But it was that was it. It's like one of those memories that sticks with me, even though not for great reasons because of the result, but because of how well we played, and it kind of showed how good of a team we were mm. that we go head to head with this championship team and and nearly beat them kind of thing and not, and to go out on penalties was obviously really really disappointing but that was a that was one of the moments that which i actually really enjoyed actually mm. um right now let's get to the end because we don't want to keep you too much longer i'm just going to do a basic question was there ever a chance you would have stayed what would it have taken you to stay at Wrexham? Uh, that would have been really I would have loved to have stayed. I don't, I think, because I had the offers of playing in the league and this was like the, this was from sort of, I'd say 16 to 21. I had, I didn't think I was ever going to play professional football in the league. So I don't think, I I, I don't think there would have been much that would have got me to stay and, and the chance to play championship football, I could I couldn't turn it down really. No, fair enough. I mean, if we'd have got promoted, given you a big bump, a new deal. I could possibly. That would have actually, if we'd got promoted, then there would have been a, a slither of a chance that I could have stayed, yeah. Um, but at the time, Dean Saunders was trying to get me to Doncaster as well, so it was... Uh, <laughs> it what was... a snake. <laughs> um, I mean, look, you're quite self 
defecate sort of like you know you, you don't really believe oh, defecating no i i stopped myself halfway through there <laughs> um because i couldn't think of the bloody word defecating. <laughs> that's it <laughs> but thanks for thanks for bringing it up uh Reece. i thought i'd go away with that um but what i'm trying to say is all the way through this you sort of you know, you sort of say, right, you know, I never really thought I'd do this. I never really thought I'd do that. Well, I'll tell you what, to go from non-league all the way to the championship, you've got to have a bit of self-confidence about you to do that. Was there ever, yeah. Any, yeah, what was that step up like? Oh, oh say that again. You just, you just um, yeah, cut yeah. off a little bit then. I'm just going to say like, you know, even though you, you sort of say that you're quite modest about, about your career. You must have had a lot of self-confidence to go from non-league to the championship. Or what was that step up like? Um, oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I feel like I've got kind of like a real inner, inner, inner self-confidence. It doesn't come out very often at all. But um, the the step up I found, I did, I found it really difficult. Um I absolutely loved the challenge though uh, that I had and and it was just it was just such a it was just another sort of another new opportunity for me to kind of go again and kind of see if I could kind of cut it at an even higher level it was obviously going from conference to the championship was extremely difficult and the quality was just it was so so much higher but it did it forced me to it, the only choice I had was either do absolutely nothing and fall off the off the edge of the, the the planet, or just try my best and just focus and concentrate and try my hardest to try and get to the, this kind of level that these guys were at. And if I couldn't do it in one way, then I'd find another way of being able to do it. So if I couldn't, if I wasn't the best on the ball, then can I be the best off the ball and try and tackle everyone, <laughs> or can I be um, like rather than being the guy who gets on the ball all the time, could I be the guy who makes a run off the ball, which gives someone else space to get in off the yeah, ball yeah. or can I block the most shots, things like that. I'd, I just always just thought to myself, if I could just find a way to, to be the best person, be, be the best team player and to be the best player for this team that I could be, then, then I can make myself valuable to, to people. You know what? The, the reason we brought you on is because we're playing Bradford on Saturday and we've been on for nearly an hour and we haven't bloody mentioned Bradford once. Right, <laughs> give us a quick give us a quick rundown on Bradford. What was it like to play there? Can we quieten the crowd? Is there any tips that we need to to, to succeed there? Playing Come on, Ag Agent Knight Percival, come on, help us. Playing Bradford City. Um, it's, it's, it'll be a tricky one, I guess, because obviously they, they're... Mark Hughes has been uh, he's been let go recently, and they've had uh, yeah. won the last three games, I think. And under the new um, McDonald, uh, his name is. Play, play with him? Yeah, Kevin McDonald. Kevin McDonald. I, I haven't played. I think I played against him. I think, but um, he. But yeah, he's. I, I'm not sure what he's like as a manager or anything, but you know, it's it's hard going to Bradford City. They've got a huge fan base as well. Um, but if you if you get them to if, Sometimes, as some fans can be, sometimes if it's not quite going their way, they will turn a little bit on the team. So that could possibly happen if you can if you can get an early goal or just a little bit of pressure towards them and a bit of pressure going towards their their cop end. Then you never know. You know, I've never been to Valley Parade. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I think we're going to take over a stand. We're going to bring Brighton 
back, but we're going to do it in. Uh, yeah, it will be. It will be an. That will be an absolutely amazing atmosphere because I can. Uh, I can already envisage Re- the Wrexham, um, the away stands being absolutely filled anyway. Bradford yeah. will bring a lot as well, so it will be more, more, more than twenty. More than twenty thousand tickets sold already. Oh, really? oh yeah, I, I can actually imagine that. That's going to be a really good game. Yeah, a really good game. Uh, Tim, do you want to just ask a few questions before we do the quick fire? Well, yeah, I, I sort of uh, stumbled across uh, one earlier on because obviously you're at you're at Kidderminster Harriers. Um, been working under uh, ex Wrexham player Russell Penn, lovely guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're in the company of a couple of ex Wrexham players, Jerry McDonough, Christian Dibble. Um, no, I was I was like, wonder who's been getting on at Kidder, Kidderminster. Let, let's see. And one of the first things that popped up was you playing for Kidderminster at Chester in March where you've uh, got sent off for a second game in a row after clobbering, is it Harry Tyra there, goalkeeper? Now, all I'm saying yeah. is that you can take uh, you can take the boy out of Wrexham, but <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm kind of saying. But, I mean, yeah. Uh, did, did you get any stick? Did you get any stick there from from the 20 or so Chester fans? Um, uh, yeah, you, uh, I, think, I think I heard a, a few sort of wayward shouts on the way uh, back through the tunnel after the game, but... I mean, we got the last laugh in the end because we got promoted. So, <laughs> who's the real winner? <laughs> exactly. I can't, mate, I, I can't imagine you being sent off. I can't imagine you going no. so loco that you, you're going to lamp someone. Yeah. No, I've got sort of like, a, it's a kind of a bit of an alter ego, you see. When it when I turn, when I go into sort of a football mode, I turn into sort of, it's like Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. It's just, a, all right. it can go a little bit. Sometimes it gets a little bit over. So, I have to kind of, calm myself down a little bit sometimes when I'm playing football. The rest of the time, I'm meek and mild, just chilled out kind of guy, but yeah. <laughs> um, Tim, should I do the quick fire to end? Yeah, go for it. I just wanted to get the, the cheeky Chester thing in. No, obviously. you did, you did. <laughs> um, now, we're going to do a quick, uh, quick, quick fire, five questions, okay. whatever first, first person that comes into your mind. Then we're going to okay. do predictions for Saturday and then you're free, the podcast is over. So, right. First off, during your time at Wrexham, who did you think was the most skillful? Um, Lee Fowler. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people of that of that time yeah. say the same thing. Uh, worst dressed. Worst dressed. <laughs> um, I, I would say I remember Neil Ashton coming in some pretty horrendous oh, wow. time. Chris Blackburn would be your obvious go-to, but wow. but I want to say Neil Ashton because I remember him wearing some stuff and I was like, that is that is some rubbish gear, man. I was like, that is some terrible gear. I do not like it one bit. But I don't know if that was if that was like is that's like what scouts wore or something. But I don't know. I, don't, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. <laughs> um, right. I don't think Neil Ashton's ever ever got the that plaudit before, is he? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, saw no. him. I saw him yeah, quite done. a lot, so I, so I had an idea of what he's wearing. Um, right, the next question, and oh God, I don't, you might be the same answer again. Who is the biggest moaner? <laughs> could, do you know what? There's, oh, there was a lot of moaners in the team. There was a lot. Do you, can I only name one? Uh, no, you can have like a, a five-a-side moan team. Okay, I've got Neil Ashton. I've yeah. got Jay Harris. I've got Dean Keats. Right. Uh, who, who else have I got? 
Um, I hesitate to say this as a small man myself. But I'm getting small man syndrome vibes here. From... Oh, it was it was massively, honestly. Those three were the smallest, biggest moments you've ever seen in your life. Honestly, <laughs> small men, big mouths. Right. Yeah. Who was the most underrated player? Who didn't really get the plaudits that they deserved? Um, underrated player. I would say. I would say, do you know who was really good? I thought in when Dean Keats got injured, Joe Clark. Yeah. He was, he was I think he was really underrated at the time because he was obviously on the on the bench a lot. And then Dean Keats got injured for a lo- quite a long period of time. And he came in and he did really well in that position. I think he didn't do much, didn't do lots, but he was just very effective. And he I thought I thought he was very underrated. Because I think everyone else kind of got plaudits for yeah, their positions and how they played and stuff like that, but maybe not so much him. And I thought he was just like a kind of a really a really good player for us at the time. That's a great crazy shot. legs, yeah. yeah, crazy legs. Clark, he was known, wasn't he? Uh, <laughs> right, last one from me. Which player would you least like to fight? Or or, or, or staff member? <laughs> yeah. um, staff member, player. Uh, maybe uh, Matt Mal. He was a tough guy, wasn't he? Mal purchased, yeah. Yeah, fitness coach. Big yeah. tough guy. But then players. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Chris Westwood. He was a pretty tough guy. I feel like he was quite he had kind of a bit of an edge, like a nice guy kind of edge, though. Like he was nice, but I think he could really hurt somebody if he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> The best kind of psycho, nice. <laughs> rap. Yeah. I, I, I class myself kind of in that category these oh, days. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the smiling See, assassin. Yeah. All right, guys. Should we finish with predictions for? Yeah, for let's 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 do predictions. As already mentioned, massive game Saturday. Probably, well, not probably the best supported team in the league. Bradford, yeah. attendance-wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, Great history. There's the Sean Harvey connection as well. Okay. Um, but it's going to be a full house. Uh, Valley Parade, great ground. Wrexham away. I'll start. I'll start us off. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna back us for a two-one win. A late. <laughs> a late Stephen Fletcher winner. Eighty-eighth minute. <laughs> what about you, Andy? Okay. Right. Um, right. We won two on the bounce. There's. They've been in good form as well. Uh, I just think these are the these are the statement games. These are the, the games where the likes of you, James McLean, should really come to the fore. They're used to it. They're used to the pressure. We've bought a lot of big name players. This is a big game. I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win three one. Tim, am I being nuts? Oh, am wow. I nuts? Uh, well, and I mean it's bold. It's bold. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they're going to be sticking with Kevin McDonald, their manager, so there shouldn't be any managerial bounce back as it goes. The players have gone on record to say they're after, they, they'd like him to to sort of remain in the hot seat. So if they get their wish and there's that continu- continuity, then I think we've got a, a good chance. I'm going to go with 2-1 because, I, I, you know, clean sheets. We all going been... for, we're all going for wins. Nat, yeah, I, all... I, just, I just think, as you said, it, it's good to kind of go to... Like Nat said before, like getting their faces early doors, get get the the fans turn on a little bit because 
they're not where they wanted to be, despite their little flourish recently. They're still lower down in the table where they where they want to be. And there's going to be twenty odd thousand fans calling for our heads. There's going to be three thousand of us. It's going to be a great occasion, especially for League Two, the enormity of, of the crowd and, and 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 everything else. So, I just fancy us to. We've got that mentality now. That even if we went behind, we've got that mentality to come back. So. I just think that's where we've got the edge as well as the quality. I just think it's that mentality aspect. So 2-1, I'm going to go for it. Late on, a late 2-1 win. Matt, we're all too positive here. Bring us bring us crashing back down to earth. Come well, on. that was my also my original prediction. I yeah. was going to go with 2-1 because I can't see it being a clean sheet, but I, I think you'll still win. I think it will still be a Wrexham win. So I do think... I thought, I think 2-1. I do think 2-1. This is the bit we're going to put on Twitter and all the Bradford fans are be, <laughs> going to be coming after you. You're going to have to show that. Do I just sit on the fence and say 2-2? Two, two no, 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 no. no. You, you're going to need this inner steel that you've got now, uh, Nat. <laughs> Nat, thank you so much for coming on. Can I just say, right, Agent Agent Knight Percival, um, can you get Christian Dibble on for us? Have, have a word oh. with him. Do you yeah. want? Do you want him doing it? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I'm in the car. I'm in the car with him tomorrow. Right. Okay. First thing, <laughs> before you say anything else, even where we're going, get get is that, is that what, to do it. Well, he's he's been on me. He wants to have it. You sort of like he was like, oh, can't wait to listen to this in the car. You <laughs> you best mention me. I said absolutely not. I'm not going to say a word about you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but uh, in all honesty, he's he's a great he's a great guy. I absolutely love him. I, I actually just like hanging around him because he's just he's just funny to be around. I don't think he even realizes he's funny. That's a proper keeper, isn't it? That's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are nuts, aren't they? Pilot Dibble, Pilot Dibble with his uh, air, airplane flying simulators and all that. Does he? Hang on, hang on. Oh, there we are. <laughs> he's gonna have to come on and defend himself now, isn't well, now, he? Now we yeah, know what. We, maybe we can bribe I, I him. Just, I had to mention something about him, didn't I? Does he fly any of them for real? Is he is he learning to fly or anything? Uh, I think he he's told me if he got in a in a cockpit, he could fly a plane easily. Those are his words. To me. Those are his words. Well, so words. okay, let's picture the scene. He's over yeah. the Atlantic. It yeah. comes over on the on the loudspeaker. Can anyone fly a plane? The pilot's just been taken ill. All yeah. you get is Christian Dibble standing right up, going, "I'll yeah, he, fly this plane." Yeah, he, he grabs, he grabs, he, he he picks out his aviators from his inside, his blazer pocket, pops them on, he gets into the cockpit, and he flies it safely back, London standards. Uh, and and the MH370 gets home. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Right, get on wow. to him tomorrow. We want him on. Right, right, Nat. Thank you so much for your time. So much Thanks. enjoyed that. Um, okay. Really good to represent. Amazing. I feel like we've been talking to God because of the sort of heavenly surrounds. Just haven't decorated like the back wall in here. It's all sort of like through the <laughs> There we go. Oh, there Get we go. go. <laughs> uh, pleasure Lovely. having you on. Thanks to everyone for listening. As always, you can tweet us, email us. We'll check it twice a year. Uh, and we're on YouTube as well now. So uh, please get in touch, leave a comment, uh, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, is that what they yeah. say? Uh, and see you all soon. Bye. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Bye. Take care.